What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Moses stood before the congregation of Israel. I can imagine he's standing on some platform or, or up the side of a mountain a little bit. The people of Israel were about to enter the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. Moses was about to die. And the whole book of Deuteronomy is about God reminding his people as their king the covenant that he had made with them. And near the end of this great speech given by Moses, three speeches basically in the book of Deuteronomy, but at the end of the last speech, here Moses is reminding his people, the people of Israel, of their covenant with their great God, Yahweh. And he's reminding them of how wonderful God is and who he is and of the blessings that God has given to them. And he rehearses with them where they had come from. Remember, they had spent 30 to 40 years wandering in the wilderness while the generation that was faithless, who could have invaded the promised land earlier, they died off. And now this new generation was before him, about to go back into the promised land. And here Moses is reiterating once again the promises of the covenant, the various parts of it. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, as he's wrapping up his great speeches to remind his people of the beauty of God and the covenant they have with this wonderful God named Yahweh, Moses says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandment of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Moses is saying to his people, if you cling to Yahweh, if you love Yahweh, if you keep all the commandments that God has given you in the Ten Commandments and beyond that, all those books I wrote to you, Moses is saying, if you keep what he's written in the Torah, he's going to bless you and he's going to multiply you and he's going to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, man. Why would you not want that? But verse 17 says this, But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. 
You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan and Aaron possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. He's saying, if you pursue God, if you pursue Yahweh, he promises you blessing and blessing. But if your heart turns towards other gods, I promise you nothing but curses. And you will perish. And this land that you're going to take over and possess, if you pursue other gods, you're not going to possess it very long. And he ends his speech with this, Therefore, choose life. In other words, choose Yahweh, that you and your offspring may live loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. And I can imagine all the people are like, yes, we will do that, no problem. Let's do it. This will be great. Later on, okay, Moses dies, and just as they're about to take the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, Joshua encourages them to be strong and courageous, to fight, to do what is right, to follow Yahweh. And all the people are like, yes, we will. And Joshua reminds them, if you follow Yahweh, he promises to drive all the people out, all the tribes that are in Canaan land already. He promises to drive them out. If we obey Yahweh, yes, we will do it. And so they go in and they drive them all out and they finally give all the land, they apportion it to all the various tribes of Israel. And then as Joshua is about to die and move on, Joshua gathers all the people and he reminds them again of this promise that Yahweh says, verse 5 of Joshua 23, the Lord your God will push them back for you. The Lord your God will drive them out of your sight and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be strong to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods, but you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. Will you do that, Israel? Will you do that? He says in Joshua 23, Verse 11, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Love Yahweh, and he will drive out the remaining people in the land. Because under Joshua, if you remember, the people went in, and they broke the back of the resistance, and they basically took the land. But every tribe had their allotment, and in their allotment there were still Canaanite tribes, Hivite tribes, Amorite tribes. There were still people they had to push out. And Joshua's saying, when you take your allotment, you've got to drive them out. The people that are left, you've got to drive them out. You've got to put them to complete destruction. Yes, we own the land. Yes, we possess it. But we've got to get rid of these little pockets of people. We've got to put them to complete destruction. And God says, if you love me, and Yahweh says, if you pursue me, 
I'll drive them out before you. It won't even be hard if you love me. But then Joshua reminds them in verse 12 of Joshua 23, but if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Don't do it, Israel. Hey, Judah, don't do it. Hey, Simeon, don't do it. Hey, Dan, Asher, Naphtali, Gad, you know, don't give in and just intermingle, intermarry. Obey the Lord your God. Love Yahweh. Push these people out. Put them to complete destruction. Trust. Live by faith. Be strong. Be courageous. And all the people are like, yeah, we will do this. And so we come to the book of Judges. And in Judges chapter 1, it looks pretty good. It begins with the people saying, hey, Joshua's died. He's passed away. What are we going to do now? And the people said, let's go before God and try to find out what God wants us to do. And so Judges chapter 1 begins with Judah, the tribe of Judah, saying, Hey, Simeon, my brother, come with me and let's go fight and let's go push the remaining people out of our land. Let's put them to complete destruction. And they do. And Simeon helps Judah take back some of its land. And they met 10,000 Perizzites and Canaanites under the leadership of this king named Adonai Bezek. And they fight them. They defeat them. And then they grab the king, Adonai Bezek. And it says there in Judges chapter 1 that they chop off his thumbs and his big toes. Because that's what you did back then when you conquered another king. You would take the king and you would either kill him or you would make him your, your slave. And to make sure he could never hold a sword again or fight in battle, you chopped off his thumbs on each hand so he couldn't grab anything anymore. Then he chopped off his big toes so he'd always be wobbly, wouldn't be able to get good footing or be able to fight. And you're basically saying to that king, we own you. And that king had an Ibizic totally humiliated. And it's funny, in verse 7 of Judges chapter 1, Adonai Bezek says, you know what? I sort of deserve this because I did this to 70 kings and they used to pick up scraps under my table. I treated them like dogs and God's repaid me, he says. And they brought him Jerusalem and he died there, Adonai Bezek did. But Judah and Simeon, They'd won 10,000 Canaanites left in the land. They defeated them. And it says the men of Judah later went up against the city of Jerusalem and fought it and 
burned it and took it back. But it seems like later on they lost it because in chapter 2 talks about how Jerusalem is still being held by this Canaanite tribe. But anyway, in the beginning of Joshua, Judges chapter 1, the people are doing right. Judah and Simeon are setting the example of doing what they should do to push these people out. And there's this story there about how Caleb says, hey, I need some help in getting my land back and getting all the people out of there. And his daughter says, all right, let's do this. And Caleb says, hey, whoever helps me, I'm going to give my beautiful daughter Axaw. Now, not axe and saw, but Axa, A-C-H-S-A-H, Axa, or Axa. I don't know how to say it really beautifully, but Axa. Caleb says, I'll give my daughter Axa to whoever comes and helps me push the people out of my allotment. Well, up shows a man named Othniel. And Othniel says, I'll help you, Caleb. And they go in and they defeat the tribes. And Caleb gives Axa to Othniel for a wife and man, everything's great. They're doing what Joshua wanted them to do. They're doing what Moses wanted them to do. They're obeying God. But chapter 1, verse 27. Manasseh says, did not drive out the inhabitants. And then Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites. And then Zebulon did not drive out the inhabitants. And then Asher, then Naphtali, and then Dan. What's worse is they didn't drive them out, but they put them under forced labor. Okay, yeah, I'm not going to drive them out, but I'm going to turn them into slave labor, and they're going to work for us, and it's going to be like we're in charge, and we won't ever mix with them, but... I know God wants us to get them completely out of the land, but it's close enough. We'll just make them our slaves. Well, that's bad because it's not obeying what God wants, right? He said, drive them out, put them to complete destruction. Well, this is sort of a nice middle ground, right? No, it's called compromise and it's called sin because then some of the other tribes went a little further. It says Zebulun didn't drive out the inhabitants. But it says there in verse 30 of chapter 1 of Judges, they lived among them. Ephraim, they, they didn't even bother to turn him into slave labor or to somehow put them under their control. It just says Ephraim decided to live among them. And you can see this gradual spiral down into not following what God wanted him to do. And Judah and Simeon had. And some of the other tribes had, and they'd push them out, put them to destruction. Some of the other tribes, though, they, well, I don't know. These tribes are frightening. There's a lot of them. I don't know if I can do it. But we have enough power to put them under slave labor. Let's do that. And then the next spiral down. Hey, they're not so bad. They've got some cool ideas on construction and groceries and, and how to build settlements and how to grow stuff and wow my neighbor next door he's a cool guy yeah i know he's not really a jew but 
He's a really cool guy, and man, does he have a beautiful daughter that I would not mind marrying myself. And they're not as bad, and really, does God want us to <laughs> totally put them to destruction? That seems a little harsh, don't you think? And little compromise, little compromise, little compromise. And soon, the Israelites... They weren't following God. They weren't pushing the people out. They were living among them. And then, I don't know exactly how it happened. I don't know exactly what it looked like. I can imagine you're at the city called Gilgal. And then all of a sudden you hear, Boom! And I can imagine this person lands on Earth with sort of like a, a superhero pose, you know? Lands. Because all Israel feels it. And all Israel hears it. You know who showed up? You know what exciting, amazing thing just happened? The angel of the Lord. He shows up. It says in Judges chapter 2, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. And Bochim basically means weepers. So the angel of the Lord somehow, I can imagine, comes from heaven. Boom! Or he probably just magically appears. I'm not exactly certain, but the angel of the Lord, that's God. The angel of the Lord quite often is the second person of the Trinity in human form. The angel of the Lord, Jesus, before he was Jesus, the Son of God, before the incarnation, is so perturbed by what he is seeing. Remember, the Trinity is made of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is deity. This is almighty God. He shows up. And he shows up at a place called Bochim, which many people think is the city of Bethel. Because Bochim means weepers. Because what the angel of the Lord is about to tell the people is going to make them weep. It's going to make them cry. Because God is very angry. And he moves from Gilgal to this place called Weepers, which is probably the nickname for the city of Bethel. And God says to them, the Son of God says, I brought you up from Egypt, and I brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. And I wonder, what did that sound like? What did the angel of the Lord look like? Did all of Israel hear that the angel of the Lord had appeared and they were all supposed to show up to Bethel? Did just the elders of each tribe show up? It doesn't really say, but when God said to them, but you have not obeyed my voice, I can imagine everybody falls down and trembles because God says, what is this you have done? What have you done? 
So now, listen, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. It says, as soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people, the people, whether it was just the elders representing each tribe or people from each tribe, was it hundreds and hundreds of people that were there or just representatives? So maybe 24 to 50 people, whatever. It says the people that were there, they lifted up their voices and they wept. And that's why they called this town where they met weepers because we are weeping because Almighty God just said, there are going to be thorns in our sides. These people we didn't push out. These people we've started to intermarry with. Oh no, what's going to happen? And it says they sacrifice to the Lord. And I can imagine the angel of the Lord shoots up to heaven or just disappears. Or oof, he goes up in a flame. But the people are like, what have we done? And they sacrifice to the Lord. And they repented. Or did they? Because see, this is what I've never understood, you know? God promised them blessing upon blessing upon blessing. If you follow me, if you love Yahweh. And here, the Son of God shows up to tell them, you guys are in big trouble because you didn't follow me. And now these tribes are going to be a thorn in your side just as promised. But then it says in Judges chapter 2, verse 11, And the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And earlier in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And all the generation that were gathered there, as long as Joshua lived and all the elders that lived with Joshua and knew him, they obeyed God and they did what was right. And that's sort of represented by Judah and Simeon and what they tried to do and earlier on following God, obeying his voice. But it says, And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And they abandoned the Lord God of their fathers, verse 12, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. How could they do that? And it seems like it's not, the word there is not so much that they did not know the Lord. It's not so much that their parents hadn't told them about God or their elders hadn't told them about God. I guess the word know there is this idea of they did not acknowledge him. They chose to walk away from following Yahweh. They deliberately chose to pursue Baal, the male god of fertility, Baal, that all the Canaanites seemed to worship, and the female god Ashtaroth, that all the tribes around them worshipped. And again, you can imagine, there you are in the, in the tribe of Ephraim and the tribe of Manasseh. And, and as you begin to live amongst the people and begin to intermarry with them and fall in love with them. And you fall in love with this woman and she, oh, she's awesome. She cooks the best breakfast ever. 
best eggs, best bacon. While you're a Jew, you can't really eat bacon, but best eggs, best whatever you eat for breakfast. She's wonderful, and she loves you, and you love her, and she's great with the kids, and you've produced wonderful children with her. But uh, the one problem, she does worship Baal. And she'd rather go worship Baal on a Sunday and you feel sort of pulled in that way. But you know you should go worship Yahweh at the temple on Saturday. But she likes to worship Baal. I don't know if I should, but man, she's so wonderful. And they do some really cool stuff at their worship. We have a lot of sacrifices, a lot of blood, a lot of wailing about our sin at the temple. But man, if I worship Baal and Ashtaroth, they do much more stuff that's pleasing to the flesh, that's pleasing to the eyes. Man, I want that. And so you go check it out. And wow, it is way more fun to worship this God than Yahweh. And slowly and slowly and slowly, you begin to not listen to your dad when he says, come to the temple. Not listen to your mom when she says, hey, you are breaking my heart by pursuing other gods. You listen to your main squeeze and the beautiful woman you're married to or your best friend who is way cooler and you just pursue these other gods. And before you know it, your heart is taken away. To the point where, yes, your parents tell you to follow the Lord, but you don't acknowledge him as God anymore. And so begins the book of Judges. And so begins the great apostasy. Look at Judges chapter 2, verse 13. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. And it says this generation, so, you know, under Joshua and the elders for about 40 to 70 years, they followed God while they were in the land and they broke the opposition. And then each little tribe began to push the people out. But then once they died out for the next generation, 40 to 70 years, they began to intermarry. They began to live with them. They began to compromise. And slowly that spiral went down and down to the point where this generation, about 70 years after being in the land, 70 years after Joshua and his generation had passed away, this generation, they knew about Yahweh, but they chose to ignore him, to not acknowledge him, and to pursue other gods. So, what happens next? What happens to the nation of Israel? They're intermarrying with the Canaanites around them. They're losing their distinctiveness. Each tribe has their own allotment but they're slowly becoming less and less of a nation? What's going to happen to them? Are they going to drive these other nations out? Or are they just going to become nothing?
Well, that's what the book of Judges is all about. And that's what we're going to be wrestling with in the next couple weeks. And we're going to look at how God preserves his people and how God raises up men and women to make a difference and to stand for truth in their generation. And I just want to ask you this. Which follower of God are you going to be? Are you going to be the one who just compromises with the world to the point where there is no difference between you and those who follow other gods? Are you going to take a stand? Say, if being a disciple of Jesus Christ means something, then I want it to be real. I'm going to plant my flag early, Boom, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if that means losing friends, if that means walking away from things that other people do and people look at me strange for it, I don't care. I've got to remain true to my God. And I will love him all the days of my life because Jesus is worth it. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week.